announcements then we'll go to offering first announcement uh dinner with the pastor sunday september 10th at 5 p.m um for those who are new to lake church and are interested in learning on what the vision and and what and want to get involved just sign up at get services just outside those doors um i encourage you to do that i think our pastor is the the most loving graceful pastor i've ever met the first time I met him, actually, it was in that hall right there, and it was like my first time. It was like my freshman year of high school, and I was like, good word, pastor, and he just looked so angry at me, shook my hand, and walked past. I was like, well, um, I don't know if I said something wrong, but but it was just me. It was just me. I had to, I had to talk to him and get to know him better. 
you know. And then our second announcement is uh, Fight Club Men's Conference. Who's ready for that? Oh, come on. Come on, man. You guys can do better than that. Who's ready for Men's Fight Club? There you go. All right, join us for the evening of Food Fellowship at Lake Camp on Friday, September 29th. Um, there's going to be cornhole, axe throwing, and much more games. You're going to get beat by me, if not Noah Gardner, because he's good at every sport he's, he plays, honestly. There's no sport that he can't be good at. It's annoying. as his friend. Um, and then we, we, they will provide T-bone steaks for you to cook on. Uh, the open flame grill with sides and drinks, and it only costs $25. Hey, 25 for steak and sides? You can't beat that. And some fellowship? Come on now. All right, and then our third announcement is the RISE 2023 conference, October 15th through the 18th. Uh, ministers' uh, morning sessions are going to be open to all who serve the body of Christ, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, evening services at 7 p.m. Uh, all services are open to everybody. Uh, evening. Uh, I encourage you to be there. It's always a powerful time through those uh, nights. And um, I think you just get to see so many chains broken, people's eyes open to what God really has for each and every one of us. Um, and even, like, if you think you're good at where you're at, you're not. Don't be comfortable. You gotta, we gotta move forward. You gotta, gotta. The standard is Jesus, just like Pastor Greg says. And uh, now let's get ready for offering. Yeah, yes. Um, we do. I think we do things differently. So, offering is going to be back there in the bucket. If not, there's the number eight four three two one. If not, there's the app. You can use all three. It's uh, it's always good to give. With a willing heart, though, because if you're not, if you're just giving and your heart's not in it, then it's not worth it. It's not going to do you any good. Um, but I encourage you guys to give, um, especially into, especially to this church. Um, it's opened up my eyes so much, and the youth, they've, I think they're growing more and more every, every, every week that I come in, and uh, they just, they're just knowing the word that Trevor brings, and then, like, a couple weeks ago, we were just in groups, and then we split into groups, and we're talking about the word of God, and then what the struggles, and what verse, what what Bible verse we can use, and it was that simple, and they just saw it, you can see the glimpse in the eyes, like, like, wow, it's that simple, and it's, it's amazing, and then train kids, and then all of this stuff that we're just growing, and I encourage you, so we can go out into the world and open the eyes of uh, the people who are lost. So, if everybody bow their heads, and I'll pray. Lord, thank you for tonight, and thank you for the word that you have for us tonight, Father. I pray over the offering. It just brings us blessings into the Lake Church and the people in it, and just, just brings blessings into the people that go out and spread the word into mission trips and everything, Father. And we love you. We thank you. Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Greg. Man, you need Manchester City on you. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Amen.
Well, Karen and Rebecca and Tammy are back and home, and uh, they're resting, of course. Uh, 30 hours of travel, you know, can wear a person out. And uh, Bob is hitting the ground running. He uh, started ministry that weekend. He uh, left on a Thursday at 3 o'clock and was there by Friday evening and was already at it. So we want to continue to lift him up as he is ministering and going from city to city. And uh, so we're going to do that, amen, as a church family, and uh, that he'll have a productive time and that uh, God will make the connections that need to be made. Amen? Can we believe God together? Father, we just give you praise. We thank you for Bob. We thank you for Step of Faith. We thank you for Leela. We thank you, Father God, for the call that you have upon their lives. And we partner together with them right now to stand in the gap and to come into agreement with all that you've spoken over their life. And we declare in the name of Jesus that his ministry will be productive, that it will be effectual, and that it will gain ground like never before. And Father, I thank you that you're going to redeem the time. That means you're going to speed some things up. You're going to connect with connections that will take years off of the process in the name of Jesus. And we pray for supernatural encounters, financial distribution, and the receiving of vision and purpose and strategy so that they can make the best decisions on what to do in the future. We thank you for it. We thank you for protecting Bob and everything that he does and everywhere that he goes. We call every vehicle into the ministry. We thank you that there's help from the sanctuary protecting him right now in Jesus' name and that he'll come back safe to us and rejoice and tell us of the good things that God has done. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can anybody guess where we're going to be tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5, I believe, is where we're going to start. But we'll probably go back to a little bit to 4, but 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I think we were, we'll we'll just start about, um, let's see here. Let's start with verse 7. Now, the Apostle Paul is taking us into the more practical aspects of this letter and of who we are in Christ so that we can see and know and understand how what he's told us in the first three chapters can become a reality in our lives. Because it's not just enough to know something mentally. We have to walk it out because knowing something in the kingdom of God means full experience. Do you understand that? See, people have this uh, misconception that knowledge is faith. Knowledge is not faith. There's a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge, but they have no faith whatsoever. Faith is experience. We walk in by faith to what we know to be true. Amen? So that means that 
It modifies the way we speak. It modifies the way we act. Our acts are in accordance with what the Word of God says, not contrary to, okay? And that means that we're walking in revelation knowledge, amen? And when we walk by faith, we will experience, and our faith will become sight, amen? And it's wonderful when you pass over and you're in the experience aspect of it. Because I know that I've experienced that here in the last month or two. And it's good to look back and to say, that, that believing part is over. I'm in manifestation. Amen? And that's a wonderful thing. Amen? And praise God, that should be a part of our life every day of our life. We should begin by believing God every day. And then walking it out by faith, saying the right things, doing the right things, making the right decisions based upon what we believe, not based upon what we feel, or not based upon our circumstances and what we're experiencing in a moment, but resisting that and believing in a higher level of living. And praise God, our faith will become sight. Amen. And so he begins to talk about some pretty seedy things we talked about last week. Sexual immorality, gossip, slander, all these things that are prevalent in our culture today. He tells us to abstain from them, to resist them, and to walk above them. Amen? Because we are no longer people of darkness. We are light in the Lord. So we need to walk as children of light. That means we're no longer ignorant. Darkness just simply denotes ignorance. Walking in ignorance towards the revealed will of God for our lives. Well, guess what? If you're born again here tonight, and I assume majority of you are because it's a Wednesday night, but if you're not, well, you know, no, nobody else would be here on a Wednesday night. Come on now. But, but if you're not, praise God, you can get saved tonight. Amen? Amen? You can come into the light of life. But as a believer, you are never in the dark. Because you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now you can choose to be ignorant if you want to. You can choose... To be in the light of life and still walk as an ignorant person. Come on now. There's a lot of that going on. But notice what he says. He says, therefore, do not become partners with them. Those that are into these things that we talked about. Into, you know, sexual immorality. Into, you know, immoral and impure things. He says, don't partner with them. That doesn't mean that we can't fellowship and... uh, have friends because we'd have to be outside of the world to separate from the lost and those that need God. Amen? We are to go in with an ambassador mindset. You understand what I'm saying? We go in with a mission. We don't go in to be like them. We go in to, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen? So that means that I don't separate from sinners because Jesus never did. But what I do is I don't partner 
That means I don't go into business with them, and I certainly don't get married to them. Let me say that over here. I don't get married to them. Amen? Well, I think I can save him. I think, you know, she'll come around, you know, after we get married. She'll come. I've heard these things. I've heard them multiple times. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. The Bible tells us to not be unequally yoked. An unequal yoke causes your life to go. But when you're equally yoked, you'll you'll have a straight line. Amen. In the destiny God has for you. Amen. The the most critical decision that you'll make apart from making Jesus Lord is who you marry. Some of you divorced people say, yes and amen, yes. Come on now. Hello. It's who you marry. And you know what? It's important that we understand that. And that means we need to be very discretionary about who we hook up with. Amen? See, this is fun. This is starting off on a good note. Amen? Okay. Foul ball. Okay? Let's, let's go for some strikes, all right? It says, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. You were ignorant. You were apart from God. You were without God. He says, but now something's changed. You are now light in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Say, I am am. light light in the Lord. Lord. That means you're not in the dark anymore. Now, that doesn't mean you have the answer for everything. It just means you know the answer for everything. Amen? You know, I remember there was a young lady. She was facing some decisions after graduation, and she was deciding which school to go to. And she came to me, and she said, you know, I need to decide which school I'm going to go to. And it was a couple of schools, and I I almost told her neither, you know. Stay away from those sanctuaries of Satan. But anyway, she said, uh, I, need to, I need to know. And I said, well, I said, you need to stop seeking an answer and seek the answer. Do you understand that? And that's, that's true of everything. See, we pray to get an answer. That's the wrong thing. You worship and praise the answer, which is Jesus, and then you'll get an answer. Amen? Because there's just some things that you're not going to find in the Scripture, like whether to move to another, you know, another place or whether to take this job or that job. You're not going to see, you know, does say it the Lord, you're supposed to take that job. It's not going to say that. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How you're led by the Spirit of God is where your focus is at. If your focus is on Jesus, then you will begin to focus on the answer. When you focus on the answer, you'll get answers. Amen? But if you're focusing on your problem and you're begging God, come on now. 
and you're, you're too focused, you can't see the forest for the trees, you'll, you'll just feel frustrated in your walk with the Lord. When you're not getting a clear direction, begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to worship the Lord. Open yourself up and get the wells of salvation pumping and priming, and I guarantee you, you'll get direction. Amen? I can guarantee you. God is not withholding from you. Amen? God is not withholding from you. I said God is not withholding from you. Amen? Okay, all right. He says, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So we know we're walking in light when it's good, when it's right, when it's true. We know we're not walking in light when it's bad, when it's false. Didn't know it was Sesame Street tonight, but we got to go over these things. Amen? See, when we're walking in the goodness of God, we're walking in the light of God. When we're walking in the righteousness of God, we're walking in the light of God. When we're walking in the truth of God's word, we're walking in the light. When we're not in those things, we're walking in darkness. Okay? And it says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now notice that, that God actually requires us to seek him in discerning his, what, his pleasing, what pleases him. Because there are situations in our lives that we can't see concrete direction. So we have to renew our mind to know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Amen? And, uh, you know, several times in the book of Acts, you'll hear the apostles say this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's vital and important to understand is that when you're making decisions, sometimes what the Lord tells you is not necessarily good and pleasing to you, but it's good and pleasing to the Spirit of God. And so sometimes discerning what God wants to do, it takes effort. It's not going to necessarily just come immediately. First off, you've got opposition from the satanic realm. that doesn't want you to get direction from God. But majority of your problem is your own flesh and your carnal mind. And those things have to be brought into line. You have to subject the flesh and bring it into subjection. And you have to renew the mind to the revelation that you need for that particular area of your life. When you do that, you're discerning what pleases the Lord. Amen? So it's important that we do that. Amen? Okay? It says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So say, for instance, you know, you've been doing a certain thing all your life. And then the scripture comes and shines the light on that. It says, you know what, that's destructive. It's not good for you. The minute you see it by revelation knowledge, you cannot unsee it. Are you with me? And it's the same is true for revelation 
in the word in regards to healing, in regards to provision. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It changes you forever. It becomes a part of you. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. Well, see, an abiding word is a revealed word because you never lose it. Come on now. You might go against it sometimes, but you're willingly going against it. You know better. That's the reason why backslidden believers are the most miserable human beings on planet Earth. It's because they go against their nature, and they go against what God has put within them. Amen? And so they're miserable. You know, they're conflicted. They've got to take pills to go to sleep. They've got to take Zantac because their tummy's all upset. You know, they have to get beyond all kinds of medicine to calm themselves down. And if they just simply discern what is pleasing to the Lord and not be partaking in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them in their life and be open to the light of the Lord, they'll live happier lives. Amen? Amen? You'll live happier life. Well, I'm afraid if I'll have to give this up and I don't want to. Listen, if Jesus is telling you to give it up, it's for your benefit. Do you trust him or not? Hello. You see, there's some things you can do at one season of your spiritual walk with the Lord that as you progress with him, he'll, he'll want you to put it down. Well, I've been doing this for 32 years, and I didn't have no conviction about it. Well, all of a sudden, the Lord's talking to me and saying, you know, you might want to quit that. Well, I need chapter and verse. Come on now. Well, guess what? He'll give you one. And when that light comes, you're accountable. Did you know why Jesus spoke in parables? He explained why he spoke in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. Why? He didn't want them to be accountable for the truth. But he told the disciples, but you know it. I'm I'm plainly teaching them. So guess what? They're accountable. So there's some things, and now I'm not telling you to be ignorant all your life about the Word. <laughs> what I'm telling you is, is, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you're held accountable for it. Amen? God deals with you about something, some little addiction you got. He doesn't do it to condemn you. He is not badgering you. Whenever he deals with you about something, the power is there to break it. Amen? Amen? I remember I had a disciple that I was discipling years and years ago. No one here. Okay? And he came to me and he said, he said, Pastor, I want you to just expose all my flaws. I want you to write them all down and we're going to have a meeting and we're going to sit down, and we're going to get this stuff ironed out. 
And I said, no way, Jose. Hello. Because that's not my place. And God may not be. I may see something in you that needs some changing. But maybe God's not dealing with you about that yet. I'm not the Lord. Come on now. That's the reason why we're not to judge. Amen? See, we don't need to live in judgment over one another. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide people, and we stop being the Holy Spirit. Hello? You know, trying to tell them how to live their lives and do what they're supposed to do. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to direct you to the Word of God. I'm called to direct your eyes upon it and give you understanding of it so that you can get light on it which in turn will cause you to modify and to change. It puts the Holy Spirit where he's active through the ministry gift to be able to reveal certain things to you to where you can make a decision of empowerment instead of condemnation and guilt. See, there are denominations that put heavy burdens and responsibilities on their people but don't equip them. And so they don't tell them how to live victorious. They don't tell them what the Word says about who they are in Christ and they're the righteousness of God in Christ. They put heavy burdens on them. And all when correction comes, people retreat into condemnation and guilt and shame. And majority of believers are swimming in that stuff. And they look to their, come on now, they look to their leadership as principles. Landlords. Come on, come on now. Wanting the rent, you know what I'm saying? And that is not the way it's supposed to be. See, edification is what we're here to do. It's through edification that we get revelation that sets us free. Amen? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen. In 1 Corinthians, these were the most licentious bunch in the Scriptures. They were sexually immoral. They were perverse. They were operating in spiritual gifts, but had no no control, no, no ability to restrain themselves in carnality. But did the Apostle Paul sit there and say, you know, you sorry dogs. You need to pray more. You need to witness more. No, he said, don't you know who you are? Don't you know where God put you? Don't you know what Jesus did for you? See, he always calls them up to that divine standard. And when you see someone failing and and not doing, you know, not doing very good. Remind them of who they are. Don't downgrade where they're at. Don't you know you're a child of the king? Don't you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Don't you know that you're the apple of God's eye? Don't you know that you're more than a conqueror? Don't you know that you are an overcomer? Don't you know that you have the faith of God that moves mountains? 
Don't you know that the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart? Don't you know that you're forgiven, set free, sanctified, justified by the blood of... Come on. That's what brings people out. Not, you'd be a pretty good Christian if you'd stop that. Oh, I'm preaching better. Hello? We've told you this many times. What the Apostle Paul responds to negatively is works-based religious expressions of Christianity. He deplores it. Hello? See, he talks to people that are carnal and doing all kinds of stuff. He reminds them, you don't need to be acting that way. Why? Because of who you are. You're a child of the king. You don't need to be acting that way. But the Galatians, they got in legalism. And he, he basically said, listen, you have been cursed with a curse. He was harder. He was harder on them. The New Testament teaches that the Holy Spirit is harder against legalism than he is against carnality. Wow. Oh, people don't, don't like it, but it's the truth. He deals with both of them. But listen. Legalism will bring you into serious bondage and into self-sufficiency, which God despises. It brings you into the realm of pride. Carnal people can actually exercise humility. They can actually say, I'm wrong. Religious people, have you known them to say they're wrong? Very easily. No, they don't. That's my doctrine. That's what my church teaches. That's what I believe. Come on. How many ever heard people say this, you know? Well, you know the Bible says. You know, and then they say something that's not in the Bible. God helps those. Who help themselves. Not in the Bible. Not in the Bible at all. Amen? And this self-sufficiency is a work of darkness. Because it puts you in the realm of pride which God hates. He loathes it. It's an abominable sin. A proud look. Hello? Hello? He says, guess what? You're not supposed to boast in yourself. You're not supposed to boast in what you got. You're to boast in the Lord. Your boast should always be in the Lord. Are you okay? Now, does that mean that God makes a pass over carnality? No. No, I'm not saying that. So don't, well, I can be carnal as long as I'm not legal. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that a carnal person is still open where a closed-off legalist, oh, come on now, has a hard time. 
receiving from God, receiving the grace of God, receiving from the Lord. I know, well, let me, let me just tell you a story. <clears throat> there was a lady that came to church every time the door was open. I mean, she was there, tithed, gave, served in the nursery. She got sick. And she just could not get breakthrough at all with that sickness and got worse and worse and worse. And she's sitting there fuming, thinking that God is somehow withholding from her. After all, and this is what she'd say, after all, I've been here every time the church is open. See, she's got a list. You understand what I'm talking about? Young lady comes in, same sickness. She still smells like the party she was at on Saturday night. Even wearing some of the same clothes that she wore. Comes and sits on the front row, gets healed immediately by the power of God. Now what's the difference? One got healed by grace. One's trying to get healed on merit. Oh, come on now. Legalism kills. Legalism kills. It kills you. It'll kill you dead in your tracks. Hello. Okay. Take that. All right. You've got to learn to expose for it's shameful even to, it's shameful even to speak to of those things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. So when revelation comes, how many have ever got a eureka moment when the scriptures? Bam. You just get in there and, 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 and you've read the scripture a hundred times and it just, it just, it just, I mean, you know when revelation comes because joy comes immediately. There's a joy. There's a surge of joy. How many know what I'm talking about? There's a surge of joy. Amen. That's when revelation comes. It's a surge of joy. And you just say, I see it. I see it. I see it. And you try to explain it to people and they don't see it. Amen. There's been times I've went to my wife. Guess what? And she's like. Okay. If you say so, honey. And there's times it happens to her. And I'm like. Okay. Don't see it. Come on now. Because it's very personal. It's very personal. See, you know you're growing in God. When you have, you should have been there moments with him. Where you have moments with him that you can't really tell. Have you ever tr- been with your best friend? And you're, you've had this funny inside joke and you laughed about it for three hours. And you try to tell someone else the story. And they're like. And you say, well, you had to be there. Well, you know you're growing in God when you have a lot of. You had to be there moments because God likes to have those moments with you where it's just between you and him. 
Come on now. Just between you and him. Amen? Because when it becomes visible, it becomes light. See, when a truth becomes visible, it becomes light to you. And light and life go hand in hand in the Scripture. So that means when life comes, when light comes, life comes. Get that. When light comes, life comes. When light comes, life comes. Are you getting this? When light comes, life comes. Amen? He says, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Now notice this. He's talking to Christians here. Did you know that you can be asleep? And you can be asleep so much spiritually that you look like you're dead? He's talking about carnal believers. He's talking about believers that are not walking in the light of life. He says you're asleep, and if we had a a bunch of bodies here that are dead and someone's sleeping in the middle, you couldn't tell the difference. You think, is this one dead too? You know, you'd have to put, you know, a mirror under their nostrils. (laughs) See if their nose hairs are rattling. You know what I'm saying? Come on. And there's a lot of believers that are comfortable among the dead. Amen? He says, awake! He doesn't say, get woke. See, there's a difference between woke and awake. Woke is silliness. Awake is to awake unto the Lord. Amen? We're not to get woke. Jesus wasn't woke. Jesus was awake. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. And it says arise. That's why we call our conference arise. It's from this scripture. Arise from the dead. And what will happen? And Christ will shine on you. See, you've got to arise from the dead. You've got to get out of that lethargy. You've got to get out of that funk. You've got to get out of that habit. Say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you may not feel, you may be so condemned here tonight that you may not feel like getting up out of that, those dead bodies. But I'm telling you, if you make that decision, the light of life will come to you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You just got to get up. Amen? Okay. Now, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. See, you need to be walking in wisdom, not in, you know, not in being unwise, but walk in the wisdom of the Lord. Amen? And notice it says, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. See, most people are guilty of murder. Did you know that? They're murdering their time. Amen. They're killing time. I'm just killing time. Yeah, you are. There's people that won't show up and hear messages like this, won't do anything in regards to their life spiritually, and they think they got tomorrow, manana, 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 manana. That's French again. I told you I was good. I've been learning. I've, been, I've got my Rosetta Stone, you know, downloads. But anyway, 
They put off and they don't redeem the time. Hello. But if you'll make, listen, I don't care how far you've went or how old you are today. Because some of you are convinced by the devil that you're too old to do what God's called you to do. God will redeem the time. Come on now. He'll redeem the time. Well, you know, I've been backslidden for about 10 years, you know, and he called me back, you know, 20 years ago, you know, and I just ran away from it. He'll redeem the time. God can do in a week what it takes a lifetime. Amen? He can make stuff happen. Amen? I, I just think about Pastor Bob. He was, he had, him and Leela had a ministry stole from them. Now, they don't tell that story because, you know what, they dealt with it. We've all dealt with it, amen, and it's, it's under the blood. But guess what? It looked like that was never going to happen again. Oh, come on. I'm encouraging you here. It looked like the Philippines was closed off other than having relationships over there. Everybody that they had invested in was influenced to not fellowship with them. And they could only fellowship with them. Is it okay if I say this? They could only fellowship with them in secret. Because the organization that they were a part of told them if they had any fellowship that they, there would be ramifications. Now, Bob and Lila did nothing to deserve that whatsoever. It was just control and manipulation. Come on. I'm, I'm, this stuff makes me mad. I remember I was at their um, house in 2001, 2001, and we were sitting around the living room. You remember this, Leela? And we laid hands on Bob and prophesied over him that he would have a Bible school. He would have a ministry that would go all through Southeast Asia, right? And that would, and, and, and that he would, he would raise up many sons and daughters. They would both raise up sons and daughters. And they would be shipping people out uh, all over the Southeast Asia, Asia region, which included Korea, included um, um, Japan, included all of us, Taiwan, all of that. And because uh, Filipino people can go anywhere. They, 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 they work in fields where they can go into Muslim countries. They can go in anywhere. And, uh, and that he would be, they both would be a great part of that. Well, then all of a sudden, something happened. Man got involved. Hello. And uh, when man gets involved, they mess things up. And instead of working with people and trying to restore and trying to keep what was going, you know, they went a different direction. And it caused them to be pushed out and displaced. Come on now. And so here Bob is. Now, Bob just turned 67. Okay. Okay. And if you know Bob, he don't act 67. He acts 37. Amen? But right now, through a series of events over the past two years, 
God is redeeming the time. Now, if he's going to do it for Bob and Leela, he'll do it for you. Amen? Because the days are evil. So if the days are evil, see, most people, most believers don't believe the days are evil. They don't believe it. Otherwise, they'd live differently. Listen, if you believe the days are evil, you want to be discipled. You want to be in church. You want to be serving the Lord. You want to be being equipped. You want to reach the lost. You want to... You stop making excuses. People wondering where you're at. Hello? See, what's so bad about it is you think Jesus is okay with it. They're looking at me meanly. Do <laughs> you think Jesus is okay with it? Well, he's gracious and merciful and he loves me and he does, he's all that. But he's not okay with you not doing what you're called to do. He's not okay with you not taking your place. He is not okay with you not praying. Oh, 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 I'm going to take a drink. Hopefully you put some Baileys in this to help me get through this. Good, high-quality H2O. Amen? He's not okay with it. He loves you. He cares for you. And he's constantly saying, don't you know who you are? Don't you know who you are? Don't you know what you have? Well, I'm convinced people don't understand the days are evil. Just because you're not experiencing opposition right now in this season of your life doesn't mean you're not going to. And we've got to break glass in case of emergency, God. We only, we only open our Bible when we're in trouble. Amen? Okay, all right. I can tell. Move on. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So that means you can know the will of the Lord. Say this. I can know the will of the Lord. You can know the will of the Lord. Well, you know, you don't know. God's mysterious. That's not what this says. He wants to reveal things to you. And he's going to show you how it's done in the next verse. Notice what it says. It says, and do not get drunk with wine. Now, what was he telling us here? He's telling us don't be influenced by counterfeit influences. How do people deal with life many times when it gets hard? When they've had dreams taken away from them, they go to substances. It's not just talking about wine and beer and things of that. It's talking about anything that you go to to assuage 
you see your your ability to know the will of God. You you're numbing yourself. Come on now. He says, "Don't be drunk with wine, where is in excess or dissipation," as one translation says. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you read this in the Greek, it says, "But be being filled." Very important because some people say, well, I went up and I got prayed for and I was filled with the Spirit and I spoke in tongues. So I'm glad I got that off my checklist. It's one of the greatest experiences of my life. And they make it an event. And it's not an event. It's a perpetual walk. Be being filled. Now, I remember Pastor David... He used to say this. He says, why do we need to be being filled? Because we leak. (laughs) Circumstances, when we exert circumstances and against and use our faith against certain circumstances, we can come into a place of depletion. Now, the Holy Spirit is never depleted. Come on now. The Holy Spirit is never depleted. And the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. But he has made it to where it is a requirement of us to be put in a position of be being filled. That means that we are to pray in the Spirit continuously to be energized and edified and built up. Come on now. And that we should constantly be in a position of be being filled. We should take moments out of our day praying in the Spirit so that we can edify or energize our spirit. Our spirit is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Amen? And even though our spirit is like Jesus, God has put it to where we have to have a dependency on the Spirit of God in order to exercise the strength we need to live this life. And where people will go to counterfeits, like the weed store. Hello. Or, you know, the liquor store. Or the, you know, the the beer cave. Come on now. I've caught some people in the beer cave, you know. I mean, I'm getting my, you know, my Coke Zero, and here comes somebody from the beer cave, and it's like, it's like they don't know what to do. Come on now. How many have ever had that? I hate to go to Walmart. I hate to go to Walmart because I'll see people I know, and they'll turn their carts and move because they've got they've got stuff in that cart. That they don't want me to see. Come on now. I'm fine with it. I've sat and talked with them many times. You know, they've had various sundry items. And, you know, I just bless the Lord, you know. No condemnation. I'm not here to, to judge you or anything like that. But I'm telling you, there are people that are using substances to help them through the difficulties in their life 
And he clearly tells you that that is a substitute for what is really yours in Christ Jesus. And that if, I'm just going to tell you what he says. If you're using counterfeit substances, you are called foolish. Hello. He says, don't be foolish. Now, notice it says, but be being filled with the Spirit. And he tells you how to do it. Okay? Notice it says, speaking, I like the King James better than this. Because it says addressing one another. But it says, speaking to yourselves. That's really what the Greek says. Speaking to to yourselves guys it doesn't matter what the world says it doesn't matter what the devil says it matters what you say Amen. amen what are you saying when trouble comes are you speaking the problem Are you speaking the issue? It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, which is basically inspired utterance, prophetic utterance from your spirit. Everybody can sing psalms in the spirit. Everybody can. Well, I don't have a good voice. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You can sing in the spirit. Come See, this is where people miss it. One of the things that my pastor taught me was he taught me about the song of the Lord. And this is very important for you to understand is that when we start our day with prayer and we start praying in the Spirit, he said he would pray in the Spirit until he got a song. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you are looking at me like a deer in headlights. You pray till you get a song. Amen? And it doesn't have to be Lennon and McCartney. It doesn't have to be. Come on now. It can just be a scripture. It can just be something. It can be, I love you, Lord. When it's sung in the Spirit, it's light and life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you can say, I love the Lord in everyday passing and it not have the same light and life to it as if when you're in a place of worship and you say it, it has a tremendous effect upon your body, upon your mind. Demons tremble at that. Because you can say, God loves me. God, you know, you can go through the motions and they're not bothered by it at all. They know where that's coming from. It's coming from here. But when it hooks into here, that's how you got saved. Is it hooked into here? Didn't hook into here. You didn't mentally assent to salvation. You believed in your heart and you confessed out of your mouth. And that's what translated you out of death into life. And they know that. And so what happens is when you start singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, 
giving thanks. This, this is what the enemy absolutely hates, guys. He hates it. I believe that's what happened to Paul and Silas in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. They weren't just singing, well, let's remember that chorus from synagogue, you know. That's not what they were doing. It wasn't that, okay, Jehovah Nisi, let's do that one. No. They were singing from their spirit. And they sang with boldness. See, here's the thing. When the devil's attacking you, when he's just giving you his absolute best, and you sing, And you worship when you're feeling bad, when you've got the bad report in front of you. And he begins to see you begin to swell up with the source that's on the inside of you. I'm telling you what, there's nothing he can do to stop that. There's nothing. But here's what happens. We get hit and we shut down. We shut down and we stifle the wells of salvation on the inside of us. I'm telling you, you need to learn to sing when you don't feel like singing. And I'm telling you, sometimes you have to start in the flesh. Come on, you just got to start in the flesh. You got to prime that pump. Amen? And you just got to start, you know, just think whatever, you know, you can mess up the words or whatever. You just start doing it. And then, praise God, it just begins to flow. How many ever ever have started something in the flesh and then just transitioned right over into the realm of the Spirit? Amen? Well, that's the way it always works. Amen? This is important. So, you, you know, notice it. this is not just supposed to be done personally in your own life, but it's supposed to be done with one another. You know, there's times I'll get with Kevin or get with my friends, get with Joel here, get with, you know, David, and and we're talking about the Word. We're talking about some things, and all of a sudden it just just starts coming up. And the whole place is edified. We're speaking to one another in prophetic utterance. Inspired utterance by the Spirit of God. Amen? Did you know that majority of prophecy does not come up front here? Majority of prophetic utterances that are uttered in your life is through daily interaction between brothers and sisters in the Lord and also with unbelievers. You'll say things and say, why did I say that? You know, why, why did I say that? It's because God divinely gave you a word that edifies your brother or sister and brings them up out of a situation that you don't know they're going through. You say something? Come on now. Are you getting bored? Okay. All right. You've got to make melody to the Lord with your heart, not with your head, with your heart. Amen? Giving thanks always and for everything 
to God the Father. Notice it does not say, give thanks always and in everything. I don't thank God for cancer. I don't thank God for being in the hospital. Come on now. I thank God he's with me in the hospital. I thank God provision is that. Come on now. See, God didn't put you in that situation. But we're to thank God, you see, for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now here's a cuss word. Submitting. Oh, God. I was with you up to that point, Pastor. But you've done gone to cussing in this place. Submitting one to another in, out of reverence for Christ in the fear of the Lord is what the King James says. What the Bible teaches is that we are the body of Christ. Your body got here and is able to sit here and listen and leave this chair in a few moments and go get in your car and drive and go get you something to eat and go lay down and go get back up, work, because it's in submission one to another. Your leg is not wanting to go east and your arm wanting to go west. It's in submission. This is the reason why the body of Christ is not more effective. is because we don't submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. Amen? We just don't do it. Now, I've got to go through this because I don't want to be here until January. But when we go to verse 22... You know, through the 33rd verse, we mainly take these scriptures and make them about marriage. And they're very good for marriage because they show you what a marriage should look like, okay? However, that is not the key to these verses. It is attached to the verses we just talked about. And it is talking about your union with Jesus, Okay, the key uh, to these verses is found in verse 32. Drop down there. It says, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So we've got to take this key, this key to Revelation, and we've got to apply it to verse 22, to verse 23, to verse 24, to verse 25. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's not necessarily giving, you know, a Gary Smalley uh, talk on marriage. He is showing you your unification with Jesus and how you are to conduct yourself in this life. And regardless of whether you're married here tonight or you're single, you are married to Jesus right now. You are the bride of Christ, okay? And so what he's trying to explain here, because marriage is a composite drawing 
of our relationship with the Father. The reason why there's confusion in the body of Christ is because marriage has been attacked to so such a degree that we do not have any correlation as to understanding what our relationship with the Father is supposed to be like. We have just seen divorce. We've seen, you know, all kinds of splintering, all kinds of roles reversing, roles changing, not understanding order, not understanding authority structure, and we begin to lose spiritual revelation that will cause us to walk in a higher level if we'll understand it. And some of you that are single don't ever want to be married again. Come on, okay? And it's because it's not this kind of marriage. It's the world's type of marriage. Amen? Hello. So he starts off with the scripture that everybody loves. Everybody loves it. Especially the ladies. They love it. The men, absolutely. Yes! <laughs> Says, wives, submit yourself. Oh, okay. People like that. You're going to get hit. Hello? Submit yourself to your husbands. And that's the way it's read. Wives, submit yourself. I've, I've heard preachers preach like that. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. That is not what is being said here. He goes on and says, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of the Lord. What's the motive for my submission? Fear of the Lord. What's fear of the Lord? It's reverential awe and love for God. It is not to be fearful like being fearful of a tornado or a snake or some calamity that's coming upon you. It's reverence that comes from intense love and devotion. And that submission is a response. It's a response to the love of God. It's, it's the faith that puts weight to the grace. That God gives us. Amen? Because faith is, I'm submitting to God by faith. I'm submitting in what he has told me he's given me by grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? So submission is not something that I demand. It's something that I must qualify for. Hello, come on. Oh, the ladies say, hey, hey, hey. Come on. Because it says, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord. Underline that. If you're not acting like the Lord. Hmm. You think that woman's going to submit to some fish-eyed fool that just does stupid stuff and lives disobedient to God? Come on, you're crazy. You're nuts. Because people use this to try to get women to do things they don't want to do. And they get into witchcraft. That's what, exactly what it is. They intimidate, manipulate, you know, and, and try to coerce and get people to do things. Well, the Bible says... You're supposed to submit. 
And I, I, I hate to tell you these stories, but I've had people that have uh, been coerced into watching pornography with their spouse. I've been coerced to get into sexual unions with other couples based on this scripture. It's wrong. It's not the way it's supposed to be used, guys. Listen. Your submission, ladies, is unto the Lord. The Lord doesn't have thruples. The Lord doesn't have orgies. The Lord doesn't do drugs or make you go to the liquor store to get him beer. I know I'm speaking harsh, but it's the truth. The Lord doesn't do that. And if the Lord doesn't do that, then that means I'm not accountable to do. What did the uh, Hebrew midwives do when Pharaoh gave the edict, kill all the babies? What did they do? They disobeyed. They, they'd rather be God more than man. Why? Because they knew what God said, even though they didn't have the law even back then. Didn't have the law. It was just passed down through Abraham. You understand what I'm saying? That God esteems life and that it's murder to take a baby's life. It still is, guys. Okay? But notice that. They knew because eternity is in man's heart. Amen? They disobeyed because they knew the command of the Lord. Listen, wives don't need to submit to sin. And you men need to stop asking them to do things that is contrary to being as the Lord. You need to ask yourself, would the Lord ask her to do this? (laughs) Boy, I'm getting some good response tonight. I'm just telling you. Hello. I'm telling you. They submit, you know, like, like say, for instance, your husband's mad at a certain person. And they say, you've got to be mad at him too. That's not biblical. That's, that's not biblical at all. No, you need to say, no, you need to get over yourself. That's what a good woman would say. And that is not unsubmitted. Oh, come on now. That's not unsubmitted. Speaking the truth in love is not unsubmitted. Okay. All right. I'll tell you what. Notice this. For the husband, not the man. The man is not the head of a woman. Okay. The Bible teaches. I know I'm running all your stuff, Wade. But, okay, in Christ, there's neither male nor female, okay? We're all equal. A marriage covenant is a covenant of agreement, and it means that I come into an agreement of submission, Men and women are equal in the eye in Christ. When they become married and come into a covenant, the woman comes underneath.
the covering, the physical covering of the man. Okay? For protection and provision in this life. And that's it. He is not master of her spirit. He is not Lord of her soul. Oh, come on now. She's the Lord's free woman. But she has chosen to submit herself under him for protection and provision. The reason why we don't have good relationships is because men fail to bring protection and provision and women feel they're, they're uncovered. They're uncovered. And when you're uncovered, it just feels like you're naked in the middle of the streets. Amen? Is this okay? Okay, all right, okay. All right. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, not the man is the head of the woman. Do you understand that? Even as Christ is the head of the church. Notice this, which is his body. We established that in the first chapter. And is himself its savior. So it shows you what the covering is. Listen. You want your wife to submit to you? Become her savior. Now I'm not saying savior like Jesus is savior. I'm talking about you need to become her place of refuge. You, she needs to be able to run to you and know that you're going to protect her. She needs to be able to come to you and know that you're going to be there for her. You're in her corner. You are for her. You're not against her. You're not demeaning and talking down to her. You're not walking all over her. She's able to come and be herself, and you enjoy her because she's her. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Okay. So you've got to become... You know, like Jesus, he's the Savior of the body. Well, guess what? Provision and protection is part of that. And when we don't do it, when we don't provide, oh, here we go, here we go. The Holy Spirit's bringing this out. When man does not provide for his wife, it, became, it brings instability and insecurity in the relationship because she came under the covering for that provision. Now, she may work. There's nothing wrong with your wife working at all. But she shouldn't have the full brunt. Oh, come on now. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Oh, let's just quit here. It's important. Notice this, that it is so vital and important that Jesus is the Savior of the body. Now, you didn't realize that I just read to you probably one of the most potent healing scriptures in the Bible. He is the Savior of the body. Amen? Amen? If you've got a pain in your body right now, put your hand on it and say, Jesus is the Savior of my body. Amen? Come on now. Jesus is the Savior of my body. I'm the body of Christ. He is the Savior of my body. Come on now. 
Put your trust in it. That's the healing scripture I got through my journey. He began to show me. He said something else a little bit later that's just even more powerful. Notice this. It says, now as the church is submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. In everything is in Christ. See, it's qualified. Honey, we're going to go rob a bank. No. You know, no. That's not obeying in everything because everything is in Christ. See, the everything that, that we submit to is in Christ. Christ doesn't rob banks. Christ doesn't cheat people or steal. Christ doesn't aid and abed, <laughs> you know, sinful behavior. Come on now. All right, you guys are looking at me like I'm, I'm, I'm preaching at a prison tonight. Come on now. <laughs> Don't look at me that way. Now, notice this. Now, is it okay to go a little bit more? Okay, all right. I got your permission, right? Can I get five minutes? Raise your hand if I can get five minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Oh, that's an old preacher joke. That worked. says, husbands, love, agape, unconditional, the love by choice, not by feeling. See, the reason why a lot of wives are in contention with their husbands is because they're not experiencing agape love. They're not experiencing agape love. They're, they're experiencing conditional love. Yeah. Love of the world. Right. Love in the world. Where it's all conditioned. And if you're doing right, I'm okay with you. But when you miss me around, come on. <laughs> or when you do something I don't like, no, that is not the love that's talked about here. How many realize God loves us with agape love? He is agape love. Okay, so that means this. You can act a fool. And he still loves you. You can make a stupid decision. And he still loves you. You can sin against him and his word. Hello. And this is the kind of agape love we've got to have for, for our wives. Husbands, love your wives. Amen? As Christ loved the church, he has to qualify it. He has to qualify it. It's not just any love. I love you, baby. That's not going to work. As Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave himself. He gave himself. There's a lot of, lot of people withholding themselves in relationships. There's a lot of husbands withholding themselves from their wife. Oh, there's just certain areas. They won't allow them in. No, we got to give up ourselves. When you decided to marry that woman, men... You gave up yourself. Now, that's not popular today. In fact, they're coming to get me right now. <laughs> Amen? Okay? Because this is not popular. See, this, this actually, I believe, is going to become hate speech. Yes. What I'm teaching you about the family right now and about our relationship between a man and a wife it's going to be considered hate speech in the future. 
because they have worked to disintegrate this principle. And if you disintegrate this principle, you disintegrate the building block for people connecting with God. The marriage is supposed to be a type and shadow of our relationship with the Lord. Okay? Okay? All right. Now, notice this. I gotta, I'm going to stop with this because I've kept you too late. That he might sanctify her. That means to set her apart. See, that's the thing. You know, you can't have BFF women friends, men. She's your BFF. She's your ride or die. Well, you know, we went to college together, and you're just going to have to understand, you know, I like to have a little date night with my best friend, and it's just going to happen. Come on, I've dealt with this stuff. No, no. You don't need to be sending emails, sending pics with your shirt off. Come on. (laughs) You have to. (laughs) Come on now. Nasty jokes. Well, I've got this coworker I just love when she comes in. I just, no. No. If a man comes to you and says, Wade, what's your type? You say, there she is right there. In all her various size and permutations. If she's got blonde hair, I like blondes. If she's dyed it dark, I like dark haired. If she's thin, I love them thin women. If she's not so thin, I love that woman. Come on. Whatever body type she is, on any given season of my life, that's what turns me on. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen? Amen? Hello? you got to stop it. Stop it. Stop being foolish. Amen? Okay. Sanctify means she's set apart from the rest of the pack. There's nobody else holds her place. She's, she's, she's the good silverware. Everybody else is plastic. Come on. We put out the fine. She's a fine china. She's, she's separated. You know, when we had holidays, my parents, they said, get the fine stuff out. We'd get it out, you know, have to dust it off, have to wash it. It was the fine china. It was the fine silverware. And we only ate on it on certain occasions. We didn't do it. You know, we didn't get her. Heat up a hot pocket, you know, on it. It had to have filet mignon. It had to have some kind of French dish on it. It had to have something that took some effort and some blood, sweat, and tears. It couldn't be just a hamburger. Come on now. That's the way we're supposed to treat our wives. They're special. They're unique. They're set apart. I'm not going to say something to another woman that I wouldn't say to my wife. Okay, all right. Okay, notice this. Notice. Might sanctify her, having cleansed her 
by the washing of water. What's that next phrase? With the word. Okay, now listen to this. There are people that will say this. I don't feel the love of God. I don't feel like Jesus loves me. I know that he does, but I just don't feel it. I'm going to ask you one thing if you're telling me that. How much have you been in the Word? Listen, Jesus loves us through his Word. It's his word that builds that love within us. It's his love that builds that trust. I read that word and I just sense the love, the love coming in. And it's building me. Husbands, the reason why your wives struggle is because you're not giving them the words they need. Jesus sanctifies, sets apart, That means he speaks words that he doesn't speak to just anybody. He speaks them to his bride. And they're words that cleanse us. How many have ever been in a relationship with someone for years and you just go through a season in which it just feels like everything's kind of mucky? You know, it just feels like you just... It's kind of, you know, you can kind of feel the grime. It doesn't, you don't feel clean. It's not that you're doing anything nasty or dirty. It just means the relationship just it doesn't have the fluidity that it once had. It's not having the, the, the grace and the motion in it that you want to have. And I can tell you what the problem is. Words have not been exchanged that edify, build up, sanctify, and cleanse. Amen? That's worth a million dollars right there. You can put it in the back over there. But I'm telling you, it's words, guys. That's the reason why they want you to talk to them. And we just roll our eyes. Golly. No, it's the washing of the water of the word. How do I know Jesus loves me? Because I open that book and those words speak nothing but love to me. How does my wife know that I, her husband, love her? It's not going to be buying roses, although I wouldn't be against that. It's not putting a roof. I put a roof over your head. It's words. And it's always will be words. Come on. There are people who have divorced because of lack of words. They shut down and stop talking to one another. Amen? I'm going to let you go. I could keep going and keep going. Praise the Lord. We're going to move on. I, I, thought I'd be, I thought I'd be done. But we're going to keep going. Is this good? Are you getting anything out of this? It puts some meat on your bones and some hair on your chest. I'm sorry, ladies, but uh, anyway, it's good. Amen. Get some there or, you know, something like that. Be a good project for you and your husband, you know. (laughs) 
You've shaved his back before. It, you know, I mean, some of you anyway. Praise the Lord. I tell you, this, this, this Sunday, we're going to be getting into disclosure, and it's going to be really good. So I, I tell you, invite people. It'll be a great time, and you're dismissed in Jesus' name.